I don't even know how some of these budgets are getting as high. Like Secret Invasion, that that Marvel show that didn't even look very good. People are saying it costs over two hundred million to make. What? Like, yeah, it's it's getting crazy. I mean, th- that's the number one thing. It, all of these budgets need to come down. It, it, you can't make that much on these these kinds of projects. This week in startups is brought to you by. Masterworks is the first company allowing investors exposure into the blue chip artwork asset class. Twist listeners can skip the wait list by going to masterworks.com slash twist. Codecademy. Build the future you want to see with Codecademy. Codecademy Pro helps you learn everything you'll need to shape what comes next in the tech space. Try it free for 14 days at codecademy.com slash twist. And LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. It's been a while, but Lon Harris is back. We're doing This Week in Streaming again. Uh, there's so much going on in the streaming world. Uh, and you know what? Always, we, we talk about the technology behind this. We talk about the media We've really widened the discussion out to talk about technology in relation to entertainment. So consider this your entertainment technology media uh, episode. All together. All together. And then also at the end of the show, Lon and I tend to uh, trade recommendations. And you know, everybody's always looking for a good show. So at the end of the show, we'll trade some recommendations. But let's get right into it. Uh, I know Apple has, uh, I think, done a really great job in terms of building content, I thought this was going to be a disaster for them. But it seems like they've done a pretty good job. And there's rumors they're going to buy Disney. That rumor's mm, been out yes. there since, you know, Steve Jobs sold Pixar. Uh, and now with Iger back, there's renewed focus on maybe ESPN getting spun out and the NFL, NBA, maybe Apple investing in it and it becoming a standalone company. And who knows, with Lena Khan in charge, they're going to fight every sale. But I just want to ask you up front before we get into Apple in detail. What would that look like if Apple, to you, mm. owned Disney? Would that be good for the creative community? Would that be good for consumers? Would that be bad? Have you given it thought of a company like Apple owning a company yeah. with the IP of Disney? I mean, what we've seen is fewer players when these companies consolidate. It doesn't, it doesn't usually work out the best for those of us uh, like viewers and fans. I mean, if you look at Warner Brothers Discovery being the most recent example, you see a lot of layoffs when these groups combine. You see a lot of the new company deciding it doesn't really need to focus on things that the old company was focusing on. So Cartoon Network kind of gets shelved and all, all, all of these things. Batgirl isn't going to come out anymore. And, and, and so I, I think there would probably be more stuff like that. Having said that, um, I think Apple has been doing a really good job in terms of curating its streaming content. There's there's not as much content that goes out on Apple TV Plus as most of these other big platforms, but the quality level, the consistency level has mm. been a lot higher. So counter- What do you attribute that to? What do you attribute Apple being good at this? Why are they good at it? Is it because they don't care about making money? They just or they just have a good uh, philosophical approach to making quality products. What do you think? I think it's that. I think, I think Apple's approach to tech, to hardware, to everything has always kind of mirrored old school Hollywood's approach where Mm. it's a focus. It's a focus on quality. It's a focus on individual products and it's a holistic kind of thinking, not just thinking about 
Here's the specs. Here's the specs. Here's how we're going to promote it. Here's what celebrities are going to be in, in the ad. Here's how the keynote's going to sound. It's looking at it from all these angles. It's thinking about it in terms of the branding, in terms of the mm. marketing. All that's baked in from the very beginning. And I right. think that is also a good way to approach films and TV shows and that kind of content, taking this very specific, very hands-on approach, Thoughtful. really thinking about it. Right, thoughtful and, and long term that they're coming in. They're mm. not going to make like, let's make one season of foundation, this big epic Isaac Asimov show. We'll make eight episodes and then see where we are. They came in and said, like, we're going to dedicate ourselves to this for three, four seasons. We're going to give David mm. Goyer a really long time to figure this out, which is the old Hollywood approach. An and orteur. Working. You have an orteur. You had somebody right. like the kid stays in the picture. Um um bob evans bob evans and you yeah. you put an orteur in there who knew what art was and had a point of view mm -hmm. and then you see where they take it right and, yeah, and the same and, thing and, with the pixar guy who got ousted but sadly John Lasseter. But, yeah and uh yeah. And, and uh yeah and foundation season one it didn't necessarily strike a core people didn't really discover it it was one of those like they didn't spend as much as Amazon spent. They only spent 60 million on that first season instead of 120 plus million. Got it. But by season two, starting to get some critical acclaim. I saw more people talk about it this year. I so did. I, I forgot that it was there. My wife wanted to watch it. It was another one of these uh, streaming uh, couples issue where she yeah. wanted to watch it. I'm on a plane. I watched the first episode. I'm like, this is really interesting. It's terrific. And then yeah, I had I really to stop like myself, it. you know, and this is the problem. See, you're lucky because you're single. I think, I don't know if you're still single ladies. He might be, Lon might be available, swipe right uh, in Raya if you see him there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you want a really great, uh, uh, sweet, sincere, hardworking guy, mm. that is your Lon Harris, ladies. You're too uh, kind. You're too kind. Well, you know, if you, I mean, also a guy might take you to see a really intellectual movie. And uh, I just want to, you know, uh, uh, remind me, uh, Past Lives. Uh, it's going to be one of my recommendations at the end, but I want to talk I about Past Lives. I haven't actually it. seen that yet. We'll talk gotta, about it at the I end. I got to get around to that. Yeah. Okay. So here, this is super timely because you and I are both, both, I would say Marty Scorsese is in both of our top three to five directors. Oh yeah. I already have my tickets for this one. I'm going okay. on Thursday. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be traveling internationally, so I won't be able to see it, but I cannot wait to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese, uh, Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, uh, the kid from Breaking Bad. Uh, Jesse Clemens, Lily Gladstone, big cast, big cast. Big cast. Life. And um, this is supposedly um, a great film. Very the, the critically acclaimed. Very critically been acclaimed. Very, very positive. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Based on real With history, film, like a, a fascinating true story I think most people don't know. Which is amazing. And I yeah. hear it's a little violent, which, you know, sometimes happens in his films. But about murders. Um, I hear a very important film as well. There's a little bit of a, you know, uh, uh, a little bit of importance to the film, I think, to some folks. And it's something that, you know, will make people discuss. But would that film have been made by anybody other than Apple? And then how do you think Apple looks at backing? Because this was backed by Apple, correct? Yes. And so it's in theaters first, and then right. it goes to Apple. Yeah. Plus. Apple's doing this strategy where they're they're opening the films theatrically for a few weeks and then like a month later they'll come to TV Plus. And the the old school, like in the early days of streaming, there mm. was this zero sum kind of approach. Like, well, wherever the movie goes first, that's where everybody's gonna watch it. And then it's useless on every other platform. I think the I think bootlegging was very at the top of everybody's mind. They were like, mm. just like piracy, if the movie gets pirated, 
then nobody cares when we bring it out officially. And they were, they, there was a, a lot of fear about that. And what we've now seen is, I don't really think that's true. In fact, mm. the more places something is available, the more heat and buzz it can build ah. up. We've seen this happen over and over again. We're actually opening in theaters makes people want to see a movie more when it comes out on streaming, yes, not less. Yes, it increases the value. Because the the movie, the theatrical run was a pr- was marketing for when the movie pops up yes. on streaming. And, and who uh, still goes to movie theaters? Who still goes to movie theaters, Lon? Well, I mean, like, like younger people, hardcore fans, like Aficionados. a smaller- Right. And, and, and we, we and know they are, that- They are vocal in their group chats. They're vocal right. on social media. They're the ones, like you and I, who their friends come to and say, what should I watch next? It's ex- it, and, yeah, it's it's exactly what we were talking about. Like it's buzz, it's heat, it's it's now it's in the discourse, and people mm-hmm. are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And the more people are talking about something, the more people want to see it. And that's just so true that that outweighs any kind of platform exclusivity, at least from what we've seen. The so this is the anti Netflix approach. To be clear, right? It, it it it's the anti everybody approach. It's it's all of that stuff about. Only you can only see this on Peacock. Mm. It's only on Netflix. That that ended up being not. There's a there, one great example. Uh, so HBO Warner Brothers Discovery a few months ago, Zaslav made a ton more enemies. He he infamously General announced Zaslav. He infamously announced we're gonna we're gonna keep HBO shows on Max, but we're also gonna start licensing them out to yep. other platforms. And people at HBO were very upset. They were like, "This is the whole thing. We can't let HBO. That's our that's our bread and butter. That's our life foundation." Blood. Yeah. We can't let HBO shows be viewable anywhere. It's not TV. Right. It's HBO. That was the whole thing. And what ended up happening, Ballers and Insecure, they're now on Netflix. You can go watch those on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And more people went back and started streaming them on Max after they popped up Total on Netflix. Sense. So Netflix is marketing HBO Max. It, right. People saw Ballers on Netflix, started tweeting about going back and mm. watching Ballers. And then people who had Max were like, hey, you know what? I'm going to watch Ballers. And so it spiked on both platforms. We saw it as well with Suits. Suits had always been available on yes. Netflix. But when it popped up on Peacock as well and more people started watching it. Yes, it everybody's going both. crazy for Suits. Isn't that show off the air? And it's been and off the air that, for a while. That's a 10-year-old USA Network legal drama. When it was on TV, nobody cared. So- that one, wow. there's a there's a second issue, which is Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle was just a TV uh, star when Suits was first on TV. Mm. Now Meghan Markle is royalty and much more mm. famous, and so people are curious to go back. But I don't think you can entirely attribute it to that. I think people just didn't know about Suits, and then they discovered it because it was mm. readily available. What I love about Apple's approach to Apple TV Plus is I think that they don't care on the margins if this makes any money or not. They care if it's incredibly high quality and it, you know, speaks to their audience. Apple's revenue um, is in 2022 was five times greater than the revenue of the entire film industry. Right. Apple revenue last year, $394 billion. Total global film industry revenue, global, global with a G, $77 billion. Apple generated $394 billion in revenue on about $100 billion in profits. In other words... The profits at Apple are greater than the sum of the global film industry. Not you know, that includes Bollywood, that includes China, that includes yeah. all that. So, um, if Apple does spend a billion dollars on these theatrical releases, et cetera, that's about one percent of its annual profits, twenty-five basis points of its annual yeah. revenue. 
that is a no brainer for them to do even two or 3%. If it brings the halo effect and keep people on their devices, like iMessage does. And now Apple TV is included with every phone? Or is that a do you have to pay for it? Because I pay I believe you for get I believe you get like six months free every time you buy mm. a new Apple hardware item. So if I get an iPhone ah. this year, I get the next three or six months free. And then I, I might have to start paying my Got five it. or six dollars a month. But I think at that point, they, they See, got I you have the bundle. I don't know what's called Apple One or whatever the bundle yeah, is. I, I think it is called Apple One. I have Apple One because now I have three daughters, as you know, three wonderful daughters. And then I have my wife. I just did it for storage so that all their mm -hmm. devices I could share the storage on it. But then it was like, oh, you can have news and arcade and Apple Plus right. and music. Arcade is a good one. Yeah. And arcade's a great one for the kids because yeah. it has non ad, non mana, begging for money games, which is great for a parent. Also, news is kind of nice to have on the margins. Mm -hmm. And music is delightful to have. Um, and obviously, you know, Apple TV, and then we buy some new device, but I don't know if they credit you for it. I don't care. But Apple should make I think it they do. I think because you're you're all of those payments are happening on your Apple ID. It's all one right. account. So I think that yeah, they just give you if you're paying for it, you just hmm. get three months of it for free. And if you uh, weren't paying for it, you can use your Apple ID to log in for hmm. three months or however long the period It would be great if they just made it so any Apple device. They know it's an Apple hardware device, even if you got it a hand-me-down, could just get into Apple TV Plus yeah. for X number of hours per year. You just got like a certain amount of usage. They're already playing around with that because they're they've got this like major league soccer pass and they're thinking mm -hmm. about doing more sports like Formula One is a big one right now. Yeah. There's a big maybe Apple's gonna jump mm -hmm. in in 2025 and grab those F1 rights. And so those they're gonna make some of the content free for everybody and then some of it behind the paywall. Listen, public markets can be volatile. Don't I know that? Ooh, Uber shares, 15. Oh, 60. Woo. That is why many people like to diversify their assets to be safe. And if you're looking for a unique asset class to diversify with, hey, what should you do? Take a look at Blue Chip Art. I have, I have some investments in art. And I do those investments through Masterworks. Blue Chip Art has historically been uncorrelated with the stock market, okay? And Bloomberg reported that as equities dipped last year, our prices and expenditures actually increased. Very interesting. With Masterworks, you can invest in fine art without needing millions of dollars, and you don't need to know anything. They do all the work. They research it. Basically, they've securitized blue chip pieces of art, and then they sell shares to investors like us. Every painting Masterworks has sold to date has delivered a positive return to investors, including annualized net returns of 10, 17, and even 35% this year, according to Masterworks. And they just completed their 16th exit a few weeks ago from a Kusama piece. Ah, very nicely done. Shares of each offering are limited, but Twist listeners get special access and they get to skip the waitlist. So go to masterworks.com slash twist. That's masterworks.com slash twist to skip the waitlist. Past performance doesn't guarantee future results. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. Talk to me about the budget for Killers. I'm just curious, like what this film would have cost if Apple wasn't doing it. And if Apple wasn't in market, who would have paid this? I mean, and is this I, higher than you think? Yeah, I think Warner Scorsese, Brothers would have spent or whoever. Scorsese would have pictures. found. I doubt anybody's going to kick Scorsese to the curb and say we're not interested, just because his movies are. You're all. You're automatically in the award season talk and mm -hmm. festival discussions just because of his name. 
Uh, it's the budget. I think if he wasn't working with a prestige player like Netflix or Apple, he might have to make more concessions in terms of the budget. Like the Irishman famously got pushed way over budget because of all the digital de-aging stuff they were doing on mm. De Niro and all those scenes that adds up over the course of a three plus hour movie. This one, you know, it's period, a lot of location work. You got to, you know, DiCaprio alone is 25 million right off the top. And then he's getting the chunk of the back end too. So, yeah, you know, these these costs add up. And I definitely think that if he was making a more conventional studio movie, he'd have to probably think about those margins more than he does. He could just call Tim Cook and say, hey, I need yeah. 20 more million. I mean, for this. Wolf of Wall Street, just by comparison. Hundred million in 2013, which right. is about one hundred and thirty million in today's dollars a decade later. Yeah. And he he did The Irishman with Netflix last time. And right. that had the de-aging and everything. So that is interesting. He he used the Singapore, I think it was the Singaporean, that very famous uh, brouhaha where the Singaporean wealth, sovereign wealth fund backed Wolf of Wall Street, but it might yes. have been stolen money or something. Yes, that's was why that DiCaprio had to, uh, right, DiCaprio had to like, uh, yeah, he, he testified at that, at that trial, yeah. at that celebrity yeah. Irishman, trial. 159 million. So if you look at that, 130 in, um, you know, today's dollars, 160, and now- I think 250 with kill killers of the flower moon probably costs. I mean, we are also coming out of an era where those budgets got massively inflated. I, mm. I, I don't, I don't even know how some of these budgets are getting as high, like secret invasion that, that Marvel show that didn't even look very good. People were saying it costs over 200 million to make what? like, yeah, it's it's getting crazy. I mean, th that's the number one thing. It, all of these budgets need to come down. It, it, you can't make that much on these, these kinds of projects. You need to bring right. the budget. Somewhere down oh, and more it was the Malaysian. Sorry, it was Malaysian sovereign. Malaysian, right. The Malaysian yeah, Singaporeans would have never fun. fallen for this. Singaporeans got a pretty serious. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Singapore is yeah, like yeah. a very hardcore uh, country when it comes to capital allocation. I think that they have a very sophisticated group. They probably wouldn't have uh, gotten scammed, um, yeah. but apparently the Malaysians did. So Netflix is not doing this with their movies. They want everybody to get right to the you know yeah so ted sarandos very specifically says said like we don't want people to watch our movies on in theaters we want them to watch it on netflix so they're if they're opening things in theaters at all it's like it's a stunt or it's just to get attention or it's for an award qualifying run Qualify they don't the awards, yeah. they don't want people to pay and go see movies conventionally mm. in theaters in fact if you think about it ted sarandos didn't say this out loud but if you think about it it benefits Netflix if movie theaters go out of business. Like, yes. whereas a lot of these legacy entertainment mm, companies, your huh. Disney's, your Sony's, your, mm. they Warner Brothers, Discovery, they need movie theaters. AMC theaters is a vital link between them and their audience. But if you're Apple, if you're net, especially if you're Netflix, if you're Amazon, it benefits you if those movie theaters go away. So forever the trend of people wanting to watch it on their phone wanting to watch it on their iPad, wanting to watch it on their flat panel, which are now, it's unbelievable. Every time I buy a flat panel TV, I have mm -hmm. like this cognitive dissonance because I'm like, I paid $2,000 for that previous TV and now I'm paying $800 for one that's 10 times better than oh, one, yeah. or whatever, twice as it's good as great. the last one. I feel like an idiot. Now I got to throw away, it went from throwing away or gifting a $4,000 TV to a 2000 to a thousand. And now you replace it and you're like, yeah, you can replace it for 800 with something much better. And I'm just like, yeah. Ah, I just I hate the um, <laughs> consumption trend of it. But I love the fact that it's so cheap to have something 
epic now. I don't even know if you could spend $5,000 on a flat panel TV now. I think you need to, to get into those like foldable 8K. Like they're still at CES every year. You could go see the big new TVs. Yeah. But I, I think we've already reached the point where mm. it's about as good as your eyeballs can see. Like we're we're at yeah. a point of clarity and brightness where I don't know how much better it could even get. Let me ask really. you a question. You and I have been talking about the sequel nonsense. Mm. and how literally like the last couple of sequel things are just not either not worth watching or the audience has burned out on it they've obviously gotten burned out on the marvel series they did I mean, too many there's still interest it's just it doesn't have that oh i gotta see this opening weekend in the Got theater it. we've trained people like look if you hang out disney plus all those marvel movies are going to end up there eventually maybe you could but wait Ant to Man see Ant-Man 3, Ant -Man 3 uh blue beetle flash everything is coming up like not even covering their budgets now the, yeah transformers didn't do that well this year indiana jones was a disappointment that mission impossible movie was make kind their of budgets a disappointment back, which yeah. is crazy but then here we go so mission impossible uh and then let's put those all on the side and then we look at something like um barbie which is based on ip but it, it's the first time they've ever done that so i consider it kind of new-ish i guess I mean, and then it, oppenheimer it was, well, if you think about that stole the summer yeah, they had to sell people on Barbie. It, people know the doll, but it, it mm. wasn't like a sequel to a big movie that they were introducing this whole world. So I, mm -hmm. I, I do think that counts as something different than the franchise model exactly. they've been going with. Yeah. So my question to you, we're watching Apple. Uh, they're going full auteur. They got uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. And then what I'm really looking forward to, I know one of your favorite directors is my favorite director, really, Scott. I think it's... Sure. A, my favorite director of all time. I love their Kurosawa. strategy here. I think their strategy is fascinating. They're doing Napoleon, in, right? In yeah, November, we're going to get the two and a half hour theatrical Napoleon cut. It okay. is going to go on Apple TV Plus, probably December. They haven't announced a release date yet, but probably December. But that they're getting the four hour director's mm. cut. They're going to get both versions. So you will be able to watch the theatrical cut on Apple. But Ridley Scott's also making a four hour director's what? cut that will be exclusive to TV Plus. That's genius. So now you get people <gasps> seeing it twice because people are going to want to go to the theater wow. to see it on the big screen, the theatrical wow. cut. But then you got to watch it again because you want to see the full four hour version. Mm. Interestingly, yeah, if you remember, Ridley Scott did that director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. And people say it was amazing. And it is. The it's, it's was much pen. better. I'm going to watch that. The, have, you know, I never saw that one. It kind of slipped by me. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I'm going to watch the, it. The my director's movie cut is I have phenomenal. a movie theater in my ski house. So. This is the great thrill of my life to be a kid from Brooklyn who has a movie. Theater. I got a proper movie theater. It's pretty nice. Yeah, uh, like nice, the yeah. Snyder cut, I thought was really good. Um, you know, for an imperfect film, I like that too. So this is great. I mean, I, I love the fact that the director's cut is baked in. We're baking right. in the director's cut. That is a power move. Yeah, the superpower well, move. And, and I didn't get to see Oppenheimer in the theaters because it was literally every time I went to buy to buy tickets to the 70 millimeter, it was sold out. Now I yeah, I can watch it on streaming, I guess, but I'm kind of feel like an idiot watching it on streaming. I mean, I feel like that's one of those things where what we're seeing is it, it's harder for Hollywood to release, you know, 18 movies at a time that people want to go see fill up all mm -hmm. of these multiplexes. So I think a smarter thing to do and, and it's already happening to some extent. Some of these multiplexes use some of the screens for new stuff and then use other screens for like, well, mm. let's bring back Oppenheimer in IMAX for a few yes. weeks or like, yes, let's that's show what I want. the Back to the Future trilogy or, you know, it's Halloween. So we're going to show yeah. Scream movies or Saw or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. it, it just, well, 
We, and I think that's what people want too, is make it eventize it more. So it's like not necessarily only things that opened this weekend in theaters, but it's like things I want to go Barbie? see with my friends. Who did Warner Barbie? Brothers. Warner, Brothers. Warner Brothers. So Zaslav did Barbie. It was originally well, going to be Amy Schumer. He inherited. She out. I yeah. Zaslav didn't greenlight Barbie right, himself. Right, okay. He inherited the project. But that did the budget on that was 140. It did 1.4 billion dollars. So and I mean, original a lot of the credit IP, there. A lot of the credit there has to go to to Margot Robbie. She was very behind this project and was yes. was telling them like, "Here's how to do it. I have a vision." She's got her own production company, Lucky Chap, that produced it, and like so. She was really the driving force of like going mm. into Warner Brothers like this could make a billion dollars. You got to put muscle behind this. And she right. was the one who had the vision, I think, Speaking before a lot of other Wall people. Street. Yeah, well done. Yeah. And then the budget for Oppenheimer was only $100 million, uh, And it did a bill. So, yeah. And just that, under a bill. I mean, a, a, a very thoughtful, historical three-hour biopic doing that kind of money is like, we haven't seen stuff May like I that May I ask a you a, a, a leading question? Please. If... Oppenheimer and Barbie have shown this, that original IP done well with auteurs uh, can win the day. Why isn't Disney and other folks getting the memo on this? Why have they not gotten the memo? I mean, I think to it, do it, more original IP instead of doing Toy Story 7. Give us something new. It's it's always, you know, are they going to take the right lesson from their successes is always the question. And so I think I think there there are a lot of wrong lessons i think you could take one is we gotta like come up with viral memes of two movies opening the same weekend you already saw that they were trying to figure out what yes. two movies can we open at the same time make... against each other right but right, that's a one-time that's a yeah. one-time marketing experience and, that's and, not going to happen over and over again right and that's not something studios didn't create that the public no. created that you can't mm. you can't force that to happen it sort of has to happen organically the other thing is of course, Mattel and Hasbro are now fast tracking a hundred toy based movies each. So we're going to get the, the Barney, the dinosaur movie, the stretch Armstrong movie, the hot wheels movie. And again, I, I don't necessarily think that's going to work either. I, I agree with you. The right lesson would be you got to find interesting projects from notable filmmakers, put a lot of marketing muscle behind them and come up with creative ways to make people mm. feel like this is something I got to see opening weekend with my friends. Mm. This is a got social it. experience that I want to be part of with this crowd. Do you remember last year when that Minions movie came out? Yes, and, and everybody the wore the suits. Did that it was ever get, was that organic or non-organic? Yeah, Did no, we ever was, get, they, that it was, was organic. called the, the Gentle Minions meme and just kids on TikTok were like, you got know it. what would be funny? When then you had we, the Megan dance, the, the Megan, Me which uh, was actually like, as far I'm not into the horror genre, but I am into the AI genre. Uh huh. And I liked Megan. I enjoyed it. Oh, I liked yeah. Megan too. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were talking about that like just before the show. If you can come up with mm. a dance, like Wednesday, that Netflix show had that viral yes. dance as well, mm -hmm. and then became one of Netflix's biggest shows of all time. My daughters can, were doing it. Yeah. If you exact exactly, if you could come up with something like that, where or there was mm. that that uh, Peaches song from the Super Mario movie that all the kids mm. went crazy oh. for. If you can come up with something like that that sticks in people's heads and grabs their attention on X or Facebook or TikTok or Twitch or wherever they're hanging out, that's how you make a hit movie. The the the, the idea that part eight or part twelve or it's based on this thing you remember, we're we're sort of that era is done, and now you've mm. got to figure out. How to eventize everything? How to how do we make this the Taylor Swift eras tour of this genre?
All right, everybody, we all know technology is moving at a blistering pace. We talk about it here every week, especially AI. And Code Academy's goal is to help you stay ahead. And so if you've got some experience or you're brand new to coding, Code Academy is going to offer you everything you need to build your tech career. You want to build that tech stack, you want to build your skill stack, and you specifically want to gain skills in AI, full stack engineering, data science, cybersecurity. Twist listeners can try Code Academy Pro free for 14 days. We all know the world's changed. Large percentage of people, they don't think that college is the most important factor when hiring people. They want to know about specific vertical skills. So listen, when you got to lose two weeks free, to check out everything Codecademy has to offer. This includes 400 courses covering everything from in-demand languages like Python and JavaScript to new courses in generative AI, large language models, and more. You're going to get step-to-step guidance on your career path, learn how to do real-world projects to build your portfolio. They're even going to help you with interview prep so that you nail that really important interview. And listen, once you get the job, you can work towards your next promotion, which is really what you should be doing. When you get that job, you should be looking at, hey, who's my boss? How do I get their job? Who's their boss? How do I get their job? Well, it's going to be experience and it's going to be skills. Codecademy is going to help you with both of those. Start your free trial today. Visit Codecademy.com slash twist to try Codecademy Pro free for 14 days. That's Codecademy.com slash twist. Tell me about what's going on with the strikes. The the writer strike ended. They seem to have yes. gotten some good concessions. Yeah. Uh, AI became a lot bigger of a story in that than I think people anticipated. I think with good reason because AI is great already in year zero here for yeah. ideation. It's not going to replace a human. That's obvious. Yeah, they but it's really great for ideation. The- it's great for spitballing. You would agree? I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't personally love it because I think so many of its ideas are derivative, feel a little recycled, feel a little derivative. And the whole idea in brainstorming is you want to go as far outside the box, not mm-hmm. deep inside the box. But listen, lots of people have lots of different ways of working and far be it for me to tell another writer. I do know a lot of writers who do enjoy brainstorming with AI and I don't want to say it's, it's bad or you shouldn't right. do it like more, more power to them. Uh, but right. So I think they, they really kind of kicked the can down the road on the, the most complex issues. The, the thing that we agreed on is AI can't write a script and we can't hire a writer to adapt an idea that AI mm-hmm. came up with. Like ideas have to originate with human writers. Yeah. But the really difficult stuff like training, like is it okay to train an AI app on mm-hmm. somebody's writing? We, we kind of didn't. We're like, the WGA kind of reserved the right to object to that later, yes. but didn't object to it yet. So how would you feel if, you know, a young person could come into Disney Plus's app in, let's just pick a time frame, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, and I could open up the Disney Plus app and say, I would like a story about Ashoka becoming friends with Captain Marvel. (laughs) And it's an alternative universe. And then they go fight Thanos and Darth Vader. I I don't don't think this produces some little short video for you. I, I mean, maybe a little short, purely visual, uh, you know, maybe yeah, a little something exploration, like a fan uh, like fiction a little, type thing, like, like a like a little showcase demo reel or something. Yes. Sure, but it's, do you think it's consumers that, would be interested in that? I'm curious. I think that's a I think that's a gimmick. I don't I don't think okay. to me the stuff that AI is like like code. Like when you're talking about like I, I need help writing this piece of code, and AI mm-hmm. can help you figure it out. It's obviously perfect for that. Or I was reading something about broccolini. They're using it to to come up with the next genetic strain of broccolini that will be Beautiful. hardier, Love grow it. 
faster and in more harsh climates. Perfect. Exactly. That's exactly the perfect use okay. case for it. Creative stuff, I think, mm. is it's just it's just not a good fit. Creative stuff is what humans mm. are very good at. That's that's the word. We should have AI do all the data entry stuff that we're bad at or that mm. it's hard for us to focus our minds on so that we can be freed up to be creative and to mm. think about things outside the box in a way that AI. Yeah, so that's good. what I think is my point about this. Uh, choose your own adventure type experience. So imagine you watched the Obi-Wan series, which we had mixed feelings on. But generally, I, I really liked that that existed. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So if you could say, though, hey, I would like to see a version where, you know, the uh, fight scene was a little more dynamic, right, or something, or I wanted to see a little bit more of this part of the story, and it filled in that part of the story or gave you some options. Um, that to you feels does it feel offensive to you? I don't. Do you I feel know. you are, you you do you feel disgusted by it in some way? You seem to resist it as a humanist. I'm I'm uh, I'm pigeonholing you as a humanist. I wouldn't say I'm disgusted by it, but I okay. do think offended? that not no not even offended, but I okay. do think that it's just that's it's all all it's really doing is is mashing things up, is mixing mm. things up. It's not it's not bringing anything new to the table. So mm. sure. If you tell Stable Diffusion, I want to see an image of Ahsoka next to another, you know, Optimus Prime and have yeah. them fight. Sure, it, it, it can sort of roughly assemble that and you can see that. But your imagination can do that, too. And yeah. the the cleverness that a writer would add or that a director would add or that Agreed. a creative person yeah. would add. Sure. They're the ones who are going to have because a computer doesn't it knows what Optimus Prime looks like because we've trained it. We've shown it 100 pictures of Optimus Prime mm. and said, this is Optimus Prime. And it goes, OK, I understand the term Optimus Prime. It means this image, but it's it doesn't know what mm. makes Optimus Prime cool. Like, yeah, like why is a truck that turns into a big guy with guns cool? Like, well, we know why that's cool, because. We're people and we have life experience with trucks yeah. and guns and robots. And that informs our decision that that's cool. A computer doesn't understand that. All it knows is this is what it mm. looks like. This is what it looks like when it transforms. What's going on with the actors then? So the, the writers have settled. They, they seem to be somewhat content. They have some yeah, sort the, of back ends here. They're going to the get some data. Happy, the big yeah. thing is also they're going to get data. Some kind some. of sharing on how a Netflix show did. They're going to get some metrics, right? They're, they're going to get some me limited metrics, but they're going to get the, the people who make the, the biggest Netflix shows are going to get a little a little taste now. They're going to get mm -hmm. a little kickback based on the success. Which so they, they should. Really, of course. That's in I the best interest of Netflix, by the way. Like yeah. it, for Netflix that made all these millionaires and billionaires here in Silicon Valley to not get that people will do better work. And they'll invest more in their careers if all of a sudden a residual check comes and like, oh, wow, I get $30,000 a year. Yeah, uh, because I'm I did this you, hit show. I'm going to yeah, hire okay. you for yeah. six weeks and I'm going to give you this set amount. You're going to do a good job because you're a professional and you want to earn that amount. But if I'm like, I'm going to hire you for six weeks, you're going to get this set amount. And then you got a shot at also getting a $75,000 check next year if your show's a big hit. That's a Whoa. big incentive. That's big a big incentive. incentive. So yeah, yeah like get a little I think, taste, get a tasty. Yeah, like I, yeah. I think that is gonna gonna motivate people, and and it, it allows more people to turn TV writing from a hobby and interest into a real career, and that's good. You want you need the next generation of people who are going to create Netflix shows. 
10 yeah, years and you know what you had intellectuals you had powerful people who then have the choice i can go work at goldman sachs i can work in silicon valley uh or i can work in hollywood and, right, and you, if you, you make hollywood path. you know like you're going to be a monk you're going to be living on this like pittance and you have no chance of building any kind of wealth for your family your future your retirement then people are just going to take gonna the Goldman Sachs option yeah. or they're going to take the uh, you need the uh, next generation of Bill Lawrence's who made scrubs and mm. uh you know you need you need Shonda Rhimes and you need you need Taylor Sheridan's like y you need those people and you need to have a path where we take the people who are getting started today and turn them into those people one day and so that's really a lot of what we did but yeah, the, the hope was after the WGA resolved. There you go. <laughs> Why is Optimus Prime cool? Powerful abilities, moral integrity, lots of good things. Pretty great. But I mean, I don't think any. Oh, powerful abilities. Deep, deep voice, voice, memorable quotes, protective nature, rich backstory, diverse adaptations, childhood nostalgia. Great. And then that's I'll all keep the reason. Oh, oh. Take the ideas that make Optimus Prime cool and create an entirely new character with different modality with a different modality but similar traits that make them resonate like optimus character name Luminara Luminara Stellaris. Stellaris. that's the worst name ever ethereal a guardian of a cosmic library sure what kid doesn't want to play with a ethereal librarian yeah it doesn't exactly. Yeah. Ex wow. Exactly. Way to go, coolness, Chad, GPT, you just ruined our childhoods. But no, that's a great. It's a cool <laughs> example Darn. because because they it doesn't coolness. It's a you can't. How do you define it? How do you teach a computer what it is? You 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 can't. That that. Well, it's, look it's, at her rich backstory. Once immortal from a forgotten planet, Luminaria's thirst for knowledge led her to the cosmic library. Hi. But I mean, again, like, it's just, it's just hero's journey. Like every time you ask it for a story, it Joseph Campbell's you because of course it does. That's what it learned. You know, that's what it learned from. Yes. But that's not interesting every time. The, what's interesting is how you modify it and tweak it and make it your yes. own. And you, you could just so we know, like you can beat a dead horse. Okay. Creating a job post and finding your qualified candidates that can be time consuming unless you use LinkedIn jobs, they are closing in on 1 billion users, the march to a billion continues and they're almost there. Think about how many insanely qualified people are out there looking for work right now. And if you go post that open role on LinkedIn, you're 100% certain that you're going to get the most qualified candidates available. Why? Just like you, anybody who is qualified uses LinkedIn for 20 different reasons. They use it to keep up to date with their network. They use it to build their network. They might use it for advertising, marketing. Everybody's on LinkedIn all week long. And you are, right? So if that's the case, why don't you post a job listing right now? And you know what? Why don't you do it for free at linkedin.com slash twist? That's right. LinkedIn loves this week in startups. They love startups. They love supporting founders. And they will give you a first job listing for free, but only if you go to linkedin.com slash twist. And when you are hiring, you get the purple ring on your profile. What does that mean? That means everybody in your LinkedIn network knows that you're hiring. So when you interact in the feed, you're commenting on other people's posts, then they see the purple link and they go there. So that's why I participate. You see me commenting all the time on LinkedIn and on my friends and my networks. I do that because I want to give a high five to people in my network, but also I want that purple ring to be out there so I can find the best talent and the best talents on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash twist, linkedin.com slash TWIST to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions do apply because they're giving you something for free. Tell me about actors. 
What's going yes. on with the uh, Screen Actors Guild, known as SAG? Got, I am a member of SAG, or I was, SAG after, from yeah. my amazing performance well, were, in Center yeah, oh, of the World that's and right. the film August. So, yeah, SAG actor yeah. Jason Calacanis wants to know how he's doing. My SAG is expired. Uh, well, there, were, there yeah. was hope that after the WGA strike resolved that SAG might might wrap up quickly. Now there's fire, there, there's momentum. We want to get this finished up so we sure. can get back to making stuff. Uh, but that that's kind of come totally derailed this week. Uh, it seems like it's mostly, again, about residuals and profit sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, so the actors apparently had suggested 2% of overall revenue from these platforms go to actors. The streamers said sure. that works out to $2.4 billion over the course of a three-year contract or $800 Great. million per year. That That's was perfect. too much. The streamers said that. The streamers said that. The studio said that was too much. 2% they, they, is too much? They said 2% was actors. too much. So then the act so then Come SAG on. came back and said, okay, if revenue is the wrong basis for, for profit sharing, let's switch over to subscriber count. So you could pay a levy based on Netflix's total subscriber count or whatever your platform's total sure. subscriber count. And at that point, Sarando said that was a bridge too far to bring up this late in the negotiations. And that's what caused apparently the AMPTP to Exit the negotiation. Walk away from the table. This is so, so this dumb. Point, Ted Sarandos is making a stupid mistake. He's going to be the most hated guy. Everybody's going to go to Apple and Amazon well, because they're that, working it's with that orators. CEO, it's, so the AMPT, Carol Lombardini, the head of the AMPT, so AMPTP, dumb. she's working with the CEO gang of four, they're called. That's NBC yeah. Universal's Donna Langley, Zazlav from Warner Brothers Discovery, Sarandos from Netflix, and Iger from Disney. So they're the four. This CEOs. is so dumb. By putting I a agree. number, a percentage number on it, it frees them. This frees them from having yeah. to keep negotiating. And two percent is a perfect place to do it. In the NBA, it's like fifty-one percent go to yeah, the players or something. It's crazy, right? Like it's literally like, half of revenue goes to the players. You know what's happened in the NBA? More people want to become NBA players. NBA players spend a million dollars or two million dollars of their own money to keep themselves healthy like lebron james does and they really take their career seriously now because they know there's a 250 million to 350 million dollar supermax contract out here if they did this two percent now you got all the actors saying you know what i'm gonna show up on set and take this seriously i'm not gonna be yeah. like well, i don't want to pick anybody but like johnny depp like whatever causing chaos on set they said or yeah you know well, whatever drinking red wine all day <laughs> you know like that stuff's gonna go out the window because johnny depp's gonna be like you know what and netflix has had, netflix <laughs> has had this specific problem reggie jean page became a huge star in season one of bridgerton didn't want to come back for season two millie bobby brown today we've got the headline and inside streaming is complaining about having to come back for one more season of stranger things she wants to go make films. She's a huge famous actor now. But imagine if you were going to give her yeah, a chunk Joe of Ray the Stranger me. Things revenue. Show she'd be, me the she'd, be like, she'd be like, let's make 10 more seasons. That's how you keep these actors on yes. sitcoms for hey, 10 years. You know who did this? Tony Stark, Iron Man. And he knew. Right. Exactly. He knew because his career hit the rocks. Iron Man, they Marvel didn't want to bank on him. He had to take out his own insurance. Mm -hmm. and he bet on himself. And what did he get in that last contract? It was absurd. It's, it's hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of millions, of, millions of, dollars. of dollars for showing up for 10 minutes, like two days on yeah. set, whatever well, it was. It's Good a, for him. Very famously, George Lucas, too, where nobody wanted to come in on him yeah. with these deals. And so he was like, all right, I'll take, myself. I'll take almost nothing. You don't have to pay me to direct the movie. I'll just take the merch rights. And the studio mm. was like, are you crazy? You Who's going to yeah. buy the toys of these furry, how about, how gross about Todd Phillips? I mean, the, the, there's one film I'm looking forward to. It's the new Joker. Joker 2 is going to be. Folly <laughs> Cannot wait yeah. for that.
uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I'll see anything he's in. And, and, and Lady Gaga. Yeah. And I'll see anything Todd Phillips in. And uh, you know what? Lady Gaga crushes it. Star is born. You know, um, she's, she's amazing. Who, who, who isn't curious to see Joker 2? I think we're all curious to see that, what they've got going on That made a billion dollars on like a $75 million budget or something and crazy. And the Golden Lion at Venice. That's crazy. <laughs> well, uh, here it is. Orteurs. And so yeah. you got to give the Warner Brothers folks because they also did the Batman. They did Barbie. They did the Batman. Yeah. They, they understand auteurs can take IP in a direction that the formulaic thing. Now, listen, Marvel did do a great job on phase one, two, and three or whatever. But would it kill Marvel to do something outside the canon with one of the characters or, you know, whatever, and not have a phase five, six, and seven? Like, what, what, would, would you think that was a good idea if they said, hey, we want to let somebody do something interesting yeah. with the Hulk? I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's so hard to say because I do feel like we're seeing the DC movies suffer right now because they're not, cool. audiences have lost that continuity sense. And so when Blue Beetle comes out, there's nothing making people feel like, oh, I need to see this because it's part of this overall story. I like, it's just hanging out there on its own. And I actually thought Blue Beetle was pretty good, but. I watched the it, first 20 minutes. I got bored. It's so not I enough to grab to it, people's yeah. attention yeah. totally flying blind on its own. Did so they I, have I, any other DC characters in it? Did anybody show up or is it just him alone? No, it's I mean, there's shout outs and mentions, but no, it's pretty much just Blue Beetle. And, and James Gunn has said he's going to bring that kid Jolo Maraduenius or I think I'm saying it right. Uh, that the Cobra Kai kid who plays Blue Beetle, he's going to come back in more DC movies huh? as Jaime Reyes. But I don't. I don't think the mm. movie. The movie doesn't really feel and like everybody else is out. Gal Gadot, she's gone. gone. They're saying Momoa might come back and play Lobo or a different character, but he's not Aquaman anymore. Wow. Cavill's gone. Affleck's gone. All all of the Ezra Miller gone. All all those people are not going to be back. Okay. The only exception is Peacemaker. So Viola Davis is going to stay on as Amanda Waller. John Cena is still mm. Peacemaker. That whole group is is set. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that has definitely hurt them. So I don't think Marvel necessarily wants to throw the whole idea of continuity away. But I do think that they're kind of they're kind of pu pushing the brakes a little bit on it. Less focus on the constant releases that are all part of the one interconnected story because it's not paying off at this point. It's hurting them more than helping. I think in some ways people have just all right. burned it's out. It's time for recommendations. What do you got? Okay. For us? What do you got for us? Wow, I watched a lot of good stuff lately. I really liked uh, Fall of the House of Usher, that new Netflix Mike Flanagan yeah, how show. How is that? What is it? How is it? Uh, so Mike Flanagan, he's the guy who did the, the Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor and also Midnight Mass. He does these like horror mm. drama kind of series. He also, he's directed, he directed that film Dr. Sleep and Oculus, a few other horror films. So mm. his new show is... It's sort of based on the Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Fall of the House of Usher, but it's really a remix. It, it's based on the entire collected works of Edgar Allan Poe. So there's mm. Pit and the Pendulum stuff, Murders in the Rue Morgue, The Raven gets shout out. Like, it's really this kind of, like, entire career of Edgar Allan Poe put into one story, but really mm. great cast. It's kind of a mix of funny and spooky, uh, but it's also got this kind of succession who's going to take over this pharmaceutical company storyline. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fun mashup. I will of a watch lot of different that for sure. Styles. Uh, uh, and then I also liked, uh, there's this movie on Hulu. It's a little silly. It's a little bit of a one-off, but it's quick. It's called the mill with Lil hmm. Rel Howery set uh. in a near future. This guy is a middle manager for a tech company called Mallard. 
And then one day he wakes up and the company has imprisoned him in this cell with this mill in the center of it. And they're like, this is your new employee training. Uh, 16 hours a day, you've got to work this mill. Whoever rotates it the least in a day, whichever one of the employees gets killed. And he's just a prisoner now in this like weird cell. And it becomes like a thriller of like, how is he going to get out of there? Nice. What's going on? I have two for you. I got two That's for you. That's on Hulu. That's on Hulu. Yeah. The Diplomat. Mm, yes. I this enjoyed. Was, this I was enjoyed a huge hit among uh, like the government, like politicians and everyone in Washington was watching The Diplomat. I like Carrie Russell a lot. Um, she's fantastic in this. I will watch her do anything. And, uh, you know, it's like taught thriller yeah. type thing and she's amazing and i think it's a little bit timely um if you like geopolitics and that kind of stuff and then my other one i'm catching up on but this could be i think my favorite series in a long time mr in between mm, uh, yes. which stars a guy named scott ryan yeah it's from australia I believe, it's from right? australia and yeah. i think it's hulu mm-hmm, it is. it's on hulu it was an fx show when it was on tv so now it's on hulu this show, Mr. In-Between, is kind of like Sopranos meets um, uh, Breaking Bad kind of situation. It's about a hitman from Down Under who's just unflappable. And it reminds me of The Shield, uh, a show mm-hmm. I always liked. Um, and in fact, actually, that guy, um, who's the who's the showrunner guy, creator of uh, The Shield? Oh, it's, uh, oh, man, what's his, because he's the something? guy. Yeah, he's Sean Ryan, because he's Sean the guy Ryan, who did The yeah. Night Agent, yeah. So I just started the night agent. That's a little unrealistic. I'm like two or three episodes into that, but I still like it. I love Sean Ryan. I played poker with him a couple times. That's um, a great example because Sean Ryan is a guy who went to Netflix, but he was like, I don't like your model. I want to, I'm going to make shows for you, but I want to do the network way of doing things. And they said, uh, okay. So he's had writers rooms all along. Mm, he he kind of convinced them to do things the old fashioned way, even before the WGA. Yeah. Uh, so, so I love he's the shield. That was one of my favorite 10 top 10 TV shows of all time. But this new one, The Night Agent, I love the actor in it. He's pretty good. Um, and uh, but you know, it's a is little it, is bit. That guy Noah Noah Centino, is it him? Oh no, this Gabriel. is a different guy. This is Gabriel Basso. Never mind. It's a it's a interesting concept. Uh, it's pretty good. But I do want to give a shout out. You know, I, I do like indie films. And um, you know, there was this uh, film After Sun oh, from yeah. last year. The uh, yeah, that was in 2022. Again, this A24 is a really great auteur. I don't know why somebody doesn't buy A24. That, that company seems to understand a great it, business model it, here. It's it's is been it part it's, of something. No, but um, but it's been, it's one of those things you the the rumors are always around. Like who's gonna who's gonna buy A24? Because mm-hmm. they're also very savvy in terms of branding and marketing. Like they've got a lot yeah. of merch that they sell. Like they've kind of ah. made themselves a little bit of a lifestyle brand in addition to being mm-hmm. a film studio. So after Sun and Past Lives, both very deeply personal films. These are dramas. They're slow. They're meaningful. If you can put your phone down, give yourself over to the films. They're not for most people. But for me, I like thoughtful, dramatic films. Um, And this one, Past Lives, uh, is about a boy and a girl who are in school together and then their lives separate and then their lives intertwine. Uh, every 10 years or so and there's they're obviously like um in love in some very deep way but you know it's kind of like um missed um connections you know right. like the craigslist missed connections kind of thing <laughs> yeah kind of like that and uh it's so well acted and directed 
and paste uh, that I just think it's a very special film. And I understand this is the director's debut. Um, both of these, amazingly, both of the films you've mentioned are directorial debuts because Amberson, oh. I believe, is Charlotte Wells' uh, it is, yes. debut as a writer-director as well. And then people really didn't get after son, you know, this is like a coming of age kind of drama about a dad and a daughter. I, I don't want to spoil it for you. They're on it's vacation. So it's sort of like, yeah, this, this kind of travel log almost, but uh, with, with, I, I don't want to give it. Yeah. We don't, can't give it anyway, but it, you know, as, as a father of daughters, like this trying to connect with your child yeah, and this meaningful adolescence, and then the challenges of also being an adult and being a parent, very, very heartfelt films. So if you are a considerate, sensitive person, I think it's a great double feature for you to get you out of, you know, the, uh, you know, exploding transformer. Things are moving so fast on the screen that it's just a giant freaking blur. Yeah. After Sun is on, After Sun is on Paramount Plus right now. If you have oh, the, if you have the Showtime, you have to have the Showtime add on. Or just, a, you know, like I say, you know, like the, if, if it's, if it's a really good film, just pay for it on right. whatever service. It Pass doesn't Lives matter. Is on, Past Lives is on VOD. So you have to, you have to pay yeah. to rent or buy that. Just, it's okay to pay to rent these things like it, 20 bucks or 30 bucks yeah. to pay or rent something. It's well worth it, folks. I know that we live in this disposable age, but just think if you want to have orchards make films, just, just buy it. It's fine. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a pittance. You, you know, it's, it's given inflation. It's like movies become such a good deal. You have any, of films that you actually like that are in um sure uh, you know uh, more a non-obvious film i would say or, oh, or, an, uh, or an obvious well i uh sure on amazon prime right now it just came out uh last week there's one called the burial with uh jamie fox and tommy lee jones uh, oh, i just watched I like this both last those night actors. yeah it's a it's like a courtroom comedy drama based on a real case from the 1990s huh. uh tommy lee jones plays the owner of a, a few funeral parlors in southern mississippi uh, and he's, it gets into a fight with a huge Canadian funeral corporation and mm. he hires uh, this guy, Willie Gary, who is a uh, personal injury, kind of a flashy TV personal injury lawyer huh. to manage his case. He's played by Jamie Foxx. Oh. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a little silly, but it has that throwback. Like it feels like a 90s courtroom like courtroom yeah. comedy drama that would just How come out Tommy of theaters Lee Jones for a few weeks. Because he's old. Tommy Tommy Jones, Jones getting up there, uh, you know, it's really about like he and Jamie Foxx, very different guys, but they kind of come together and become friends over the course of this trial. It's, it's, they're very charming together. 77 it's really years well old. Wow. Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, 77 years old. Man. Uh, Oof, so that one, and, and Bill Camp is the, the, you know, the sort of the fugitive. The, if you're a young person and you haven't it. seen the fugitive, man, that's, that's as good as it gets on a thriller. That's, right? his, that's his big Oscar role right there. Yeah. The fugitive. Yeah. Forget about men in black. No country for all men and, and the fugitive is where you want to go, I think. He's also yeah. in that amazing uh, movie Rolling Thunder from the from the seventies with William Devane. One of one, uh, that's oh. why uh, Tarantino named his company Rolling Thunder Pictures. Uh, as oh, a I didn't know that. Yeah, I I, I um I, I listened to the first book of criticism Quentin Tarantino did. Yeah. You know, it's good, and I like his podcast that he does. Um, so shout out to both of those. Uh, any yeah, other? Devane, films? Devane plays like a traumatized Vietnam vet, and then he comes home and bikers attack his family, and then he just oh. goes on this really gruesome crusade of vengeance against them. That, uh, is, uh, that is one of Tarantino's big things is the gruesome yeah. revenge yeah. genre, which the 60s and 70s had this whole revenge genre. Well, yeah, Rolling Thunder was part of that whole like, po like all those movies about all the guys coming back from from Vietnam being yes. just like super messed up and, uh, you know, having trouble reintegrating into society. So it's from that era. 
Cutter's Way, another great movie from that era. Video Southern Archives Comfort, podcast is the uh, the video is archive podcast is I I love it. Um, but he does very weird weird movies. But he did yeah, Manhunter, um, yeah. which I, is a with Roger Avery. He did Manhunter, which is a film I like. Yeah, he did a really weird thing of like. I had to like go really seek this out. There's like a bunch of Planet of the Apes. There was a TV show. Yeah. And then <laughs> there was. And it was terrible, but there was like a couple of interesting moments about it. And I didn't even mm. know there was a thing. Um, yeah. wow. What else did he do on the first season? I know sometimes he does stuff on that podcast and then they screen them at the new Beverly after. Which yeah, I've always they do. Meant they to do. Go. I've always yeah. meant to go. It, it's, it's just really good because you can see how this stuff. He did Straw Dogs. Which yeah. is like the ultimate Sam Peckinpah revenge film. And sure. that's a really difficult film to talk about in today's era. Um, so I, I would start there. If you're going to listen to his podcast, like listen to the Straw Dog ones and watch Straw Dogs uh, with Dustin Hoffman, I think, um, yep. in the lead role. And yeah, it really is like, movie. that's a challenging one. I won't spoil anything for you, but that's a very challenging film when, the, when it came out. And he goes through the, what I love about what he does in this um, video archives podcast is, he talks about the reaction to those films at that time. Um, and he did the film Star 80, mm -hmm. which I remember when that came out, Bob Fosse did this. And um, I actually watched the film Star 80 based and then listened to his criticism of it. And then he did two episodes on it uh, last year in November. And, um, you know, that was also like a really great walk down through town. So, like, I think if you can listen to Brett Easton Ellis, or Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino, and then hear their takes on films. That's how I got into Tar, because Freddie Sinellis didn't like Tar, and then everybody loved it. And he went to see it again, and he was like, "You know what? On second viewing, I actually really do like this film." And I wasn't yeah. in the right headspace when I watched it the first time, and he changed his opinion on it. I mean, that was like, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, like that. That definitely happens. Like that's happened to me several what times. Yeah. You have a film uh, in mind that you sure, change um, your thinking on? Yeah, uh, it happens a lot with uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson, where I'll see the yes. movie the first time, and I'm like, I don't really know. Like the Master is a great the Master example. Was, of, it came to mind immediately, the, which the I first didn't time I saw it, I was it. like, I don't really know how I feel about that. But by the second or third time, I was like, Well, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I love this. It's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, really. I think they're every all, time I see there will be blood or so yeah, the Master, all, I just I, flip, all so I just flip. Flip my water. We talked about this before. All right, everybody. Uh, Anything one other else one I was going to mention. Yeah. yeah, one other one. Uh, it's also on Showtime right now. If you play for Paramount Plus, you got to pay for the Showtime add-on. Uh, the last William Friedkin film just went up. The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Oh. It's it's a it is purely courtroom. I mean, it is just a filmed version of that play. If you have not seen the movie The Kane Mutiny and you don't know the story at all, I might be a little. It's a little weird at first, but really great performances. What the one of the final screen performances? Kiefer of, Sutherland. Wow. Kiefer Sutherland plays Queeg, who's that's the uh, Humphrey Bogart mm. role from the cannot original. Wait. I cannot uh, wait. And then Land, the, one of the final performances from the late great Lance Reddick. He plays the uh, oh. the sort of general who's overseeing you know? the hearing. Uh, you know, obviously worth watching. Very interesting. Jason Clark also really good in that one. Lewis mm. Pullman, who was great in Top Gun Mavericks in that. Kane Mountain. Kane Mutiny Court right, Martial. So the K-Mutiny was that World War II novel by Herman Woke, Wook, Wook, I don't know how to pronounce mm. it, uh, W-O-U-K. Right. There you have it, everybody. Thank you, Lon, <laughs> and we'll see you all next time on This Week in Service. Bye-bye.